Okay, so I have an intimate question for you. Do you trust yourself? Our guest today is embodied leadership coach, Allie Phillips. And when she said that she wanted to talk about trusting yourself, I ended up spending so much time wondering whether I trust myself or not. I'm pretty sure that I do, but how do I know, you know? Well, suffice to say, in this conversation, Allie and I lean into the question of and the links between trust and values and mindfulness and feedback and a lot more. It's a rich conversation that I hope will leave you thinking about things in a new way. If you listen to this conversation and you love it, just love it, then please go to bottomlesscoffeepodcast.com. Links to our discussion groups and ways that you can support the podcast and social media links, they can all be accessed there. We do need some new equipment for in-person conversations, so please do support us if you can. Okay, do we trust ourselves? Let's find out. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bottomless Coffee. Um, I'm rocking the Trey Pascarello mug. Uh, You might remember Nick Pascarello from, I want to say two episodes ago now. Well, uh, Trey's brother is an ally and a friend and he made this really cool design that we support. And we are here today to talk about trusting yourself with a friend of Trey's. Um, Allie Phillips is here with us today. How are you, Allie? I am so good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, So, uh, sorry everybody, but even before we started recording, we launched into this amazing conversation where I've already said, oh my gosh, I wish we were recording. (laughs) But Allie has promised that there are going to be so many gems for us. I'm really excited for the insights. Now, um, you are an embodied leadership coach, um, and that encompasses being a mindfulness coach, a feedback coach, and uh, a dance instructor? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) To be honest, people do this all the time. They're like, what are you? And I actually, I love it. I love that I stretch across multiple disciplines and industries. The easiest way to explain it is that I started a dance company for people with disabilities when I was 17. It's called BAM or Buster Move Dance. Cool. And then I obviously have developed since that time. Uh, And so I was a dance teacher first. And now I am definitely, um, I identify as an embodied leadership coach now, but I'm sure we'll get into all like the nitty gritty. That just connects all of them together. (laughs) Oh, we're going to totally get into the nitty gritty because the topic um, that you chose and the message you really want to talk about is trusting yourself. And I I don't want to say it sent me on a spiral, but I was like, do I trust myself? Mm. I'm pretty sure. I know I've done um, courageous things or things that other people have said are courageous. Um, and then I started, so here in Bottomless Coffee, we talk a lot about our like values and our actions and making sure that everything is in alignment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I said, okay, well, if you trust yourself, then how can you, like, what actions can you point to that show that you trust yourself, Jerome? Yeah. What are the tangible behaviors? I love it. What's the proof? Exactly. Exactly. And what I think I'm finding 
is that I've set up like guardrails to prevent mm-hmm. self sabotage. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so this is a fun one. So uh, between myself and my husband, we, we have a no tequila rule. <laughs> okay. I'm liking where this is going. I'm hoping we're going to lead it back to self-trust. I, I trust you. I well, really do. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's, um, you know what? Oh, we find that when we have tequila, we both get like out of control and we're, we're almost, it's not that we are different people. It's just like the decisions that we make don't make sense yeah. to each other anymore. They don't align with the values they that don't. you are. Yeah. They don't. And so, you know, that's like, that might be the only rule we have in our relationship is no tequila. <laughs> wow. Open. I love it. Let's, like no rules, but no tequila. I love it. The one boundary. You know? Um, and, uh, I don't know. There's, there's just something about knowing that you need the rule. Um, like yeah. trusting myself to abide by the rule that I set for myself by my own boundaries, which I found yeah. really interesting. And I know that's just scratching the surface of mm. mindfulness and uh, maybe self-feedback. I don't know if that's an element of your practice, but mm. I'm excited. Yeah, I think that, and what we will touch on is values, I think come from a really conscious place mm. and trust comes from a deep subconscious place. And so I will be able to merge the two of them together um, and values are proof and living in our values are a physical manifestation and a physical proof of our ability to trust ourselves. And I think pairing them together, Hmm. there is no question or doubt. So you kind of, you know how you were just, you mentioned like, oh, it made me think, do I trust myself? There is no, I have no doubt. Hmm. There's not even question in my mind whether I trust myself or I don't because I've melded I've like really combined the physical with the non-physical and I will yeah does that make sense I think so I think so but a lot of the times what we do is we just lean in a little bit we get to that nitty-gritty so do you feel as though you've always trusted yourself and if there was if you didn't used to trust yourself what was your life like And now that you do trust yourself, how does it differ? Mm, Love, love, love. So I will say I have, yes, I have, I have trusted myself from a conscious place. Mm. I've been really strong in values. I've always um, followed what I thought was the right thing to do. I'm very outspoken. I ruffle feathers. I have, I've kind of been that person that has always led from the front that was from a very like mind mind driven place like this is what i believe in and this is the right thing to do oh. and that means that that's the wrong thing to do and this is what my teachers told me and that and it was very external i think that's the word it was very mm. external and that really informed you know i saw something i was like well i don't like that so that means that i'm gonna not do that kind of thing two years ago 20 oh goodness i mean do we count COVID as a year i, I've <laughs> I, don't, lost I don't know Sorry, in, <laughs> two, in 2018 i had kind of um you can call it a, a mental breakdown or a spiritual awakening whatever you want to call it okay and everything kind of just came to a head i had been living in toronto for a couple of years and i was running my business in from toronto in australia i was working full-time and you know, it was one of those situations where I just kind of 
I just lost it. I was like, I'm exhausted. I was like scheduling my friends into like catch ups. Like yeah. literally, I was like, you have 20 minutes, go. <laughs> and my friends are like, um, like what? <laughs> like that. <I'm- laughs> um, and in the midst of, I decided to quit everything. I abdicated everything. I fired my staff. Australia kept going because it kind of runs itself. But okay. I quit everything here in Toronto and I decided to take a month off. And in that month, this is just so weird. I picked up a meditation book and it was like, that was it. I started meditating and I know people say this. I know people say this, that meditation is like the key and it's the, it really was for me. Mm -hmm. So I started to develop a really strong connection with myself. And as a result, I actually, for the first time in my life, discovered what spirituality was. Um, growing up, I had a real resistance to religion. I was born Jewish. So both my parents are Jewish. We were liberal, but went to an Orthodox shul. We were more traditional than religious, but the rhetoric around religion was very negative. Mm. Anytime, you know, religion was brought up in my family, there was this narrative of they're really weird very othering very othering there were we had uh, a family who were christian that lived next door and you know even if you don't have the actual conversation with your family about something you feel the energy you hear what your parents are saying and so you adopt those beliefs as yourself as your own and so when i was reading i started reading eckhart tolle and i was doing some meditation and eckhart tolle um he talks about jesus a lot Mm -hmm. and I noticed a physical reaction in my body when I read the word Jesus, like not a hatred, but just such a discomfort. I was like, this is a bad word, bad word. And so I did a lot of, yeah, I did a lot. Stop me at any time. Cause no, I'll just keep- Oh no, 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 no. I'm interested. Okay. Cause we're, we're okay. this is, I, this is like the, your transition from the external mindfulness, yes. you know, you're I'm gonna learning make internal. I'm following you. Okay. I love that you're still with me. Please <laughs> audience stay with me. I promise you I'm a title together. Um, and so I really had to lean into my own discomfort and ask why did I feel really discomforted by this word Jesus? Why, where I, when I see people wearing crosses, do I feel really weird? Almost like it's a wow. cult and they're going to like take me down or something. And yeah, I did a really huge deep dive into my religious spiritual beliefs and started to adopt my own. Hmm. And so when I started meditating, I discovered after a period of time, because I'm also a uh, sink or swim, I'm like an all in person. So sure. I started meditating and I didn't stop. Like I just have done it every single day since. And I started small and now I have, I, I do it a little bit more. But what I discovered is when I meditate and I focus on my breath, I connect to my soul. Mm-hmm. And my soul is connected to everything. And everything is connected to God universe, source, whatever you decide and whatever language is accessible for you. And I, after a couple of months was like, oh, I am God's child and God has a purpose for me. And when I connect with myself through meditation and my soul connects to God, I'm connecting to my purpose. And the more I strengthened this internal trust muscle, which is my soul, 
I noticed synchronicities around me. I noticed like ideas would come to me. I noticed like books would appear on my desk. I know that sounds really weird. One day I was meditating and I was like, the happiness project, I think I've heard of it. I had the happiness project in my bookshelf. I had, don't know where it came from. Oh, funny. <laughs> I picked it up, I opened it. There was this passage. There was this like old piece of paper in it from an old Winnie the Pooh book that said, follow your journey. I'm, I cannot oh my make this shit up. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I was very aware. I was aware of the coincidences, the synchronicities, mm -hmm. the the just like the little trickle of my purpose coming to me. And as, and now I'm what, almost three years into this journey, this connects me to my inner trust because I'm deeply connected to my purpose. I know what I'm here to do. Yeah. And now there is no question. So when I talk about the physical, I, I know what I profess outwardly in the physical manifestation. My three um, values are intuition, connection, and curiosity. I know how I define all of them. We can talk about that. And then that is interconnected with me. And I'm as I meditate and being able to connect with my soul that connects with God that is inadvertent, like inadvertently connected to my purpose. And so that's kind of how the wheels kind of turn. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so midway through, we could kind of stop when we brought everyone along. Um, for the before, uh, which is external, and the after, which is where we are now, we're mindful and feedback driven, yeah. and you trust yourself um, on yeah. a fundamental level. Yeah. And what I think I was hearing is that you were taught one thing, and it yeah. didn't resonate with you with that trust muscle, which yeah. um, was maybe uh, a little bit weaker at the time, but was still there. Yep. And you had to unlearn some lessons that you were taught um, and kind of find for yourself, maybe, I don't know, your own sense of morality or your purpose or whatever resonates with other people. You, um, you had to figure out why you were here and on your own, but with the help of uh, other philosophers. And you yeah. were able to do so. And what I think might have been like a lot faster than some people do maybe yeah. because you stayed so deep in it um because yeah. three years is yeah quick. i think you know when like people find love at like an older age and it's really mm. quick it's like i've done the bullshit i know what doesn't work mm -hmm. and like this is my person i think it's the same thing kind of applies is that at the time i was like oh i kind of know myself and this feels really good and so I, i'm done with the trial and error i'm just gonna do this thing that's like the, yes. the easiest way of like that, that like analogy, I think. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. I'm still such a baby in this like spirituality game. My, my boyfriend um, grew up in the Dominican, in the church, very heavily in the church. And so he sometimes, I wouldn't say scoffs, but kind of is like, oh gosh, like you don't know any of this stuff. He's, <laughs> he, he, he can, he can like he can recite the Bible. And I, I'm just like this little kid who's just like, oh my gosh, like spirituality, this is like the coolest thing ever. Like, why is no one doing this? Um, and I think, I think sometimes, especially now, cause spirituality is a bit of, it is a fad. Hmm. It's very in, it's very cool. We get this, have you heard of spiritual bypassing? No. Okay, so as the name suggests, 
you're bypassing the actual spirituality of something, hmm. right? Because spirituality and the benefits of being connected to your spirituality are so great that it's really, really hard. You have to work for it. The universe isn't just going to hand you your purpose. Sure. The universe isn't just going to be like, here, here's everything you wanted. Everything that you wanted, here it is. Mm -hmm. In order to manifest, and we use this term so flippantly, you have to work for it. And so there is a lot out there that is bypassing the spirituality. Yoga, yoga in its truest, most authentic form is a deeply spiritual practice. Yeah. And it's been taken over by white women in yoga pants, exploited, commercialized, and the essence and the truest form of yoga has just been completely fucked off. Mm. Even meditation. Now there's all these apps that you can like buy and then met. I, I'm, I'm actually not a fan of guided meditations at all because it defeats the purpose of meditating. Meditation is a connection with self. If you're listening to a British woman tell you who to love, I'm like, I'm not, I'm connecting to what you're saying. I'm not connecting to what I believe. Yeah. So we're bypassing the work. So let me ask you, um, cause this might go back to your coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, keep me on track then. No, 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 I'll you're, you're, I'm here for the conversation. This is amazing. Okay. <laughs> this is really quite lovely. But I am genuinely curious um, because I think when a lot of people hear mindfulness, they might say, oh, I am mindful. I have a five-minute mindfulness timer um, yeah. and you know, that, that makes me mindful or what have you. So how does your work differ yeah. from what you get, what, what someone might know on the app or how is it... Um, more authentic as a white woman yourself, right? Like, yeah, no, <laughs> what, absolutely. what is the spirituality in your work and how do you yeah. bring that into your business? Yeah. yeah, totally. It's such a beautiful question. Um, there's a level of, I think, I think it connects to your trust. And the reason I say that is because we all know when we're being authentic mm. and when we're putting shit on. Like we know if we're putting something on Instagram for likes or if we're putting it on to add actual value. Oh yeah. And I think that I don't profess my spiritual practice unless it's of value. So I put a couple of meditation videos out on Instagram, not of me meditating and no shade, live your life. I'm not going to record myself meditating because it is a very personal practice. And also it's like, when I do it, I'm like seven 30 in the morning. I have no makeup on. I've literally, I look like, a but you know, you see women who are doing these reels who are being recording their spiritual meditation. And I think it's to perform um, as opposed to actually adding value. So I've made a couple of meditation videos about what I do and how I do it. Okay. The connection for me, five minutes is beautiful. If it is every single day, I am all about rigorous consistency. Hmm. If you do five minutes every single day, I promise you, you will see results. If you do five minutes once a month, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. That's like, if you do 30 minutes, once a week, nothing's going to happen. 
It has to be every single day. It is a muscle. And once again, because I really truly believe that my meditation connects me to my purpose and I've got a really important purpose in this world, why would I only connect to it once a week where I, yeah. where I could connect to it every single day and tell the universe, I'm ready. I am open. I am here to receive. I'm showing you every single day that I'm doing this. And so that authenticity of rigorous consistency, I think it speaks for itself. You see people on Instagram, you know what's real and what's not. We have a really, really clear bullshit radar now. I think we've been doing it for a really long time. You know, people that have grown up through Instagram and um, it's a genuine, genuine authenticity that comes from rigorous consistency. Does that answer your question? I think so. Um, what is your Instagram? Because I, I follow you, but just so you have the opportunity yeah. to share it with everyone else. Um, Allie actually does post like really cool stuff on Instagram. <laughs> I enjoy it. I also post things that are like, um, this is the thing. I want to keep people on their toes, Jerome. Oh, you and you do. Like, yeah. I really, so my, Instagram, uh, my Instagram is at Allie, A-L-I underscore Phillips with two L's, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-0-9. Yeah. Not sexy at all. And then Buster Moves Instagram, that's the business, is at B, uh, Bam Dance underscore, B-A-M-D-A-N-C-E underscore. So, okay, I haven't um, followed Buster Move, but I'll yeah. give that a look. I will say on your um, Ally Phillips Instagram, I, uh, I if you stop the scroll, because when I'm going through, I'm like, oh. <laughs> is it the ass pics or is it the video? <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Because there's so much to choose from. <laughs> Isn't there just? <laughs> so how then did you go from your personal practice to becoming a, a coach? Like what was the development from something that you were like, oh, okay, I love this. This is great for me. But now I guess... Did you just want to share with other people or was it that you had um, shut down your business in Toronto and thought, well, I need another business and this is my purpose. Um, yeah. How did it go? Yeah. So through meditation, I was really, I, I, I became really clear on my purpose. Um, my purpose is to bring depth. That's like, that's one of my purposes is to, is to encourage people to go deeper mm. uh, in their own lives and i'm also here to recognize the potential in myself first of all so that i can recognize the potential in others so that that i encourage people and together we can choose because this is the big piece it's the choice to live the lives that we choose and deserve to live so when i went on this spiritual awakening mental breakdown i I felt so much better about myself. Meditation changed my whole mindset. And when you feel better about yourself, you mm. feel more motivated. So this is where it's like the, the more of the, like the tangible realistic things, right? When we feel better about ourselves, we feel more motivated. When we feel more motivated, we're more creative and more innovative. And when we're more creative and innovative, we tend to reach out to more people. And when we tend to reach out to more people, we create more connections. And when we create more connections, we create more opportunities. Okay, it, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, it is like, it's, it, it's so sequential. It's step one, step two, step three, but it starts with feeling good. Mm. And for me, 
because lots of people have things that they feel good doing. For me, I feel really grounded and great when I meditate. And not only do I feel great, but I connect to my purpose. So I ended up reconnecting with my business. It was only a couple of months, but I reconnected with my business from such a place of empowerment Hmm. that I wanted to dictate my days of work. I wanted to dictate how long I worked. I wanted to dictate my prices. I wanted to dictate where I worked, who I worked with. And I rebuilt my business how I wanted it. And I created the structure, the lifestyle, the routine that felt really good for me. I started to talk about it on Instagram. And then as, like I said, one of like the, one of the steps is when you feel more creative and innovative, Mm -hmm. you make more connections. People just reached out. Companies reached out to you. Yeah, exactly. And so companies reached out and was like, can you come and like, you know, help us with our business? Hmm. So I moved into more of a, a consultancy role, supporting organizations with their values their culture code, their behavior. And I asked them, and I was very clear with the leader, what approach are you willing to take? And what I meant by that is, are you willing to take a spiritual approach to this leadership? Or do you, would you prefer someone who's more rational, uh, pros and cons based and, and that kind, because that's not my jam. And if you work with me, then we're going to be meditating at the beginning of all of our sessions. We're going to be journaling at the beginning of all of our sessions. We're going to be going deep and we're going to be talking about how we feel because the way we do one thing is the way we do all things and who we are is how we lead. We can't skip over that, that step. Does that make that connection for you? It does. It does. And I'm really, um, uh, interested in other I don't want to say are these sort of like mindfulness practices that you yeah, might have cool. I think you, you mentioned the meditation mandatory it sounds like mandatory <laughs> people know my boyfriend when he sleeps over he's like all right I'm gonna go so you can meditate I'm like yes bye <laughs> but also journaling yeah okay so this is the thing people get really really caught up in daily routines and daily habits hmm. and morning routines. That's like a buzz. I, I realize there's probably a hashtag morning routine right now. Maybe. So um, I have, I, I encourage all of my clients to have what's called our daily non-negotiables. Same in a relationship. So I just want the audience and everyone listening to really make the connection of the way we do one thing is the way we do all things. So how you show up in your personal romantic relationship is exactly the same as how you show up as a boss, as an employer, as an employee. Mm. So just like in a relationship, you have non-negotiables. If you meet someone and they don't want kids and you want kids, don't date them. Yeah. yeah. If If you want to be in an open relationship and they are traditionally monogamous, don't date them. They're not, that's a non-negotiable. In my, in my daily practice, I have non-negotiables too. Eight hours sleep is a non-negotiable. So that means that if I go to bed at two, I'm getting eight hours. If I go to bed at 10, it's the same thing. Mm. Eight hours is non-negotiable. A 20 minute meditation is a non-negotiable. Today, actually I did 15 minutes because I woke up a little bit late. So meditation of some sort. Um, To be honest, those are my only two absolute non-negotiables. I can operate and not do anything else if if I've had eight hours and I've meditated. And then there are other things that I love to do. I love to write in my gratitude journal. And I, t- I tend to do that most mornings. 
I love to go, f- I, I, I have a dog, but he's not with me right now. Um, I love to take my dog for a walk. I love to read. I love to, um, I mean, I dance a lot and that's very mindful. Mm. It is really, really, really mindful. Um, I love to drink coffee and just kind of like daydream. So there are so many mindful mindfulness practices that you can partake in. Mm-hmm. You have to ch- choose what feels good for you, but I would suggest setting yourself up for success and trying not to create a morning routine that has like seven different things. Just create, once again, like your relationship non-negotiables, what are maybe two or three that you are absolutely not budging on? And then like in a relationship, you have non-negotiables and then you have things that are really important to you. You know, you want them yeah. to be financially independent or you want them to be you know, dedicated to their work or whatever it is. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, okay. Um, oh, it's really well-timed. Given that list, everybody, just take a second. Think about what your non-negotiables are. We're going to mm. take a coffee break and we'll be right back. Okay, we are back with Allie Phillips. We had a, a deep, uh, thought-provoking coffee break that I'm probably going to have to uh, look back to and listen to in the future. I will be putting um, the full uh, episode, including the coffee breaks, on Patreon for those Patreon subscribers who want to get um, the full experience. But now we're going to start talking about uh, the feedback aspect of your embodied leadership and i'm very interested in this because for some reason i almost feel as if people are afraid of receiving feedback um you know i think some people sometimes people take it personally when you give them any kind of feedback that isn't glowing or um high praise and uh how do you i'm interested in without like asking leading questions, um, how do you approach feedback, let's say in general? Hmm. So we we all have like ego, right? Mm -hmm. Ego in like the spiritual form um, is like this little like monster that lives with us that keeps us under a certain threshold, let's say. We all have a, th- like, instead of threshold, let's use thermostat, mm. right? We all have a, a, a thermostat. And just like the thermostat in our houses, when the temperature hits a certain uh, level and the air conditioning ki- kicks in, it keeps it down, mm. right? It keeps us at a certain threshold or thermostat temperature. So our egos do that too. Our egos keep us in the smallest version of who we are. It doesn't like us to like overstep that threshold because heaven forbid, we might grow, we might learn something, we might yeah. know that we're not, yeah, exactly what you're saying, shiny, magical, sparkly, you know, <laughs> unicorns. So feedback is something that attacks the ego, right? It's feedback is something that can potentially push that thermostat. And that's really uncomfortable. And as humans, we don't like uncomfortable. So once again, the purpose, the great purpose that I feel on this planet in this human form is to bring depth, depth to understanding, awareness, thought. And I have this perception that feedback is going to make me better. It's going mm-hmm. to ask me 
to look at the parts of myself that maybe I haven't looked at before. It's going to allow me to use my critical awareness and thinking and even discretion to say like, oh, that's interesting. Do I like that part of myself? Or do I not like that part of myself? And I've become really used to sitting in the discomfort. And I believe that feedback when delivered respectfully, actually, let me rephrase this. Okay. We should be able to receive feedback regardless of how it's being delivered to us. So this is what people get caught up in is they choose not to hear the feedback because the way it's being delivered isn't respectful and they miss the whole point. So if you are genuinely interested in growing as a person, learning about yourself and how others perceive you, it shouldn't matter how the feedback is being delivered. I agree. In saying, yeah, right? In saying that, we also can use our discretion and decide not to take feedback. This comes back to trust. And this comes back to really having a strong self-awareness. Because if you don't, you might be taking on feedback that's not yours. Mm. You may... you you may you may be um yeah taking on this feedback that's not yours but also that's not going to help you grow in in the future so that's how I, i yeah that's how i see feedback i'm thinking about constructive feedback um but less in terms of how it's delivered which is how i think a lot of times um you hear about it, at least in the corporate world, they're like, yeah, you, you can give constructive feedback. But what I'm kind of hearing you saying is just receive the feedback and decide for yourself if you can make it constructive. Yeah. And see if it, this is where the values comes in. Does it align? Does the feedback, can you align the feedback that you're mm. being given with your values? So for instance, my values are intuition, curiosity, and connection. So if you, Jerome, give me feedback that during this interview, I didn't feel like you were looking at me. I And maybe you were kind of bitchy about it too. Maybe you were like, <laughs> you know, I just, I didn't feel like you actually cared. Like, I just felt like you were, you know, you were on your phone. Mm. I could get defensive and be like, oh, like that's so rude. I was right here. But when I apply it to my values and my value being connection, I'm like, okay, so maybe I wasn't connecting the mm-hmm. way that, was respectful. So this is where values really come into play with giving and receiving, um, giving and receiving feedback, filter it through your values. And this is why if you don't have values, and if you don't know what values are, like you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. So I think I think we can both agree that after this episode, if you don't know your values, there are so many ways that you can find them. I actually created, um, I created a workshop to discover them. I created a list of questions that are very holistic across a multitude of areas of someone's life. And then we extract uh, keywords and then we put them into sentences and then we like decide how they feel and what they, and then we come up with a really beautiful list of values and then we define them and then we define the behaviors and what it looks like and what it doesn't. So if you are someone that wants to discover your values, please get in touch. And if that sounds like a lot of effort, there are also internet generators, which are kind of bullshit, but 
Yeah, don't do that. So would they yeah. just, uh, is the best way to get in touch with you just through Instagram if they want to do yeah. that values exercise? Okay, give yeah. them your Instagram again. Uh, so it is at Ali, A-L-I underscore Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S 09. Okay, so there was a little bit um, to what you were saying that I will also want to go back to. You were talking about the ego and you had um, that wonderful metaphor of the thermometer. Yep. And is it, is it that the ego is the part of ourself that is resistant to change? Would you mm. agree with that? Yes, I would. Okay. But it, did, it also sounded like, even though you enjoy receiving feedback and you filter it through your values and what have you, it, you might still feel some discomfort in mm-hmm. changing. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> I think that both can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. It is discomfort. It is uncomfortable to change. It's also necessary to change. I'm not sure that a lot of people are willing to get uncomfortable if they're not like pressed to do so. I'm not. Maybe, but maybe they are. No, and I I'm mistaken. I agree with that, and I think that that's what potentially separates groups of people. Yeah. And where you and why some groups of people are more drawn to each other. Yeah. And why others are not. And part of my spiritual journey has been, it has been accepting where people are at. Because obviously, like, if you're a born again Christian, you want everyone to be a born again Christian. Let's be real. (laughs) Sure. And so I want everyone to experience what I'm going through but not everybody is there. Hmm. And that, and that includes parents, you know, they're from a different generation. You can't change their minds. Believe me, I've tried. It's impossible. You can't do it. I'm in therapy. You can't do it. Don't try it. Don't do it. So I think um, I'm grateful because the people around me are invested in that discomfort and in that growth. Yeah. And we support each other through that. And that's why I think some people are drawn to each other, you know, because yeah, it is, it's uncomfortable, but well, it's so worth it. And can I just add one more thing? Of course you can. I think we were also talking about the responsibility I have towards creating systemic change. That looks like being a parent as well. That's like systems are just mm. generational, right? So for me, Yes, my spiritual journey is for me and it impacts my relationship and it impacts my work and it impacts my money mindset. It's all connected. Everything is connected. It, connect, it, it, it impacts my sexuality and my intimacy. It is all connected. And then also I feel an immense responsibility to parent my children differently to how I was parented. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore a lot of the work that I'm doing is to unlearn some of the behavior and the patterns that I was conditioned to behave and exhibit so that I can give my kids more space to be authentically themselves. Well, I love that. That's wonderful. Um, Going back a little bit to the discomfort, because Mm. to get to where you are, um, to become the systems changer to be able to do things differently you will like you're committing 
to yeah. that discomfort. And so um, I don't want to leave people with the message that you're just going to have to be discomfort, yeah. uncomfortable and deal with it. But I do want to point out that a lot of those mindfulness practices that you uh, referenced earlier in the episode are also might be more familiar to people as forms of self-care. And yes. that self-care, I think, helps you manage the discomfort yeah. that you may feel. Yep. As long as it is not a numbing tool. Mm. So we can't use these because this is a thing. Self-love, self-care is a trend as well. Love yourself. Sure. And that's this is this is exactly what I was talking about with the spiritual bypassing. That's what it is. Yeah. You can't just run a bath because you're like, I don't feel good, and then not do the work. You can't bypass the spirituality. You can't numb the pain mm. with Netflix, with food, even with um, oh, sex, sure. with um, even like, I mean, to be honest, you can, for people that get caught up in fantasy books, if we're not doing the work and we're just reading fantasy books to make ourselves feel better, mm -hmm. we're not going to grow. We're just, we are bypassing. So I am all about the self-care, self-love, but also, and I don't, this is the thing, like, I understand that, you know, we don't want the audience to leave just asking them to sit in the discomfort. You can have both, but you also need to build a psychological stamina. Yeah. You need to build the resilience. Yeah, we talk so about resilience a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's true. And it's a balance. And that's why meditation for me with the rigorous consistency, it doesn't feel like I need self-care and self-love because that is my version of self-care, self-love. And, and I'm not numbing, I'm actually sitting in it. I know a lot of people go, I just can't sit, I can't sit with my feelings. I can't sit with my emotions. Well, that's that's the work. That's the discomfort, yeah. yeah that's the discomfort. <laughs> so do you want the results? Do you want the results? You know, I work with, I, you know, my clients, we, we, a lot of the time, it's just like a tiny little hill, you know, think about investing a large sum of money in, in a, in a coaching program, for instance, you know, we spend, we spend money on shit every day that has no return on in its, in, in mm -hmm. on its investment. And we, all of us have really weird money mindset stories but you know the feeling of putting a massive lump sum of money down and being like, I did that shit. Yeah. And all it is, is literally transferring the money to someone else. That's all the action is. But the amount of like, oh my gosh, discomfort and anxiety and like it, it that's kind of what I do. As a coach, I just give you a little bit of a push, the push that you need mm. because you've been in comfort too long and the comfort's not serving you. You're disappointed with your life. You're not where you want to be. You're frustrated with the relationship that you're in, the job that you're in, but you won't push yourself. And that's what I do as a coach. I hold your hand, but I just push you where you know that you need to go, that you're just a little bit too nervous to go yourself because the trickle effect of that is that we'll keep pushing the people in our circles to just step out of that comfort zone a little bit which will encourage other people to just step out of their comfort zone a little bit. And once again, when we step out of our comfort zone and we feel empowered, mm -hmm. 
that then creates more excitement and innovation and creativity, which, and then it goes back down to the, the step, which creates more connection and, and networking and all that kind of stuff. So bringing it back to trusting yourself, when you are working with people on feedback, on mindfulness, mm-hmm. are you finding that these people don't tr- often don't trust themselves a little bit or a lot of it? Or are they just disconnected from themselves in um, the fundamental sense? Um, yeah. or, or is it everywhere? It's, does it run the gamut? I would say D, all of the above. Okay. So some of the symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the symptoms of not trusting yourself. Um, and I would love to ask the audience this. Like, do you overanalyze decisions you make? Do you need validation for the decisions you're about to make? Mm-hmm. Do you need to ask a million people before you make a decision? Do you go to say something and then stop yourself? Do you read back text messages and emails? Do you post something on Instagram and then take it down? Do you <clears throat> do you struggle with setting boundaries because you don't want to hurt someone else's feelings? Do you um, do you not ask for what you want? Do you not ask for help? Hmm. Um, do you not speak up when something is important to you? Do you give everybody else a lot of your time, but don't give yourself any time? Do you bitch about people behind their backs and not say it to their face? That's going to trigger a lot of people. (laughs) And let's be real. I'm not some fucking saint. saint, Here I am preaching, preaching, preaching people. I'm a human being. I am all of these things as well. I'm just a couple of steps ahead. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I, I've been practicing for a little bit longer. That's like what everybody is. There are people that are just a couple of steps ahead because they've just been doing it for a little bit longer. I started a business when I was 17 years old. Oh, wow. I grew up through running a business. I had to make a lot of mistakes. I'm at the point that I am now because I've had a lot of experience. So, yeah, that might be triggering. Awesome. You are so welcome. Sit in that discomfort. <laughs> if anyone is triggered right now because I said stop bitching about people behind their face and uh, behind their back and say it to their face, I want you to get a notebook out and I want you to write what's coming up for you. Write it down. And even if you write, I don't know what to write. I don't want. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Keep saying that until something else comes onto the page because I promise you it will. And keep asking why. Keep asking why because the answer will will be there. And then also, please call me yeah, so that sure. I can coach you for goodness sake. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so those are just some of the other ones in terms of business, really quickly, in terms yeah. of business, because I also work with companies um, on creating their culture codes, their shared values, their best behaviors. Um, what's the team morale like at your workplace? Is there shaming language? Hmm. Is overwork promoted and rewarded or is balance something that you have conversations about? Gone are the times where the person that leaves the office, the last, is the best. We're done with that. We're mm-hmm. done with that. We, let's stop glorifying burnout. I'm over it. But it starts with the top. 
And if you are a leader of an organization or a manager of the organization with people watching you, what are the behaviors that you're exhibiting? Are you, because it, it, it starts from the top and it trickles all the way down. So yeah. are you, are you trying to hold people accountable for being late to meetings and yet you're late? Are you getting mad at people on your, on their, when they're on their phone, when you're on your phone as well? Like just check yourself. Have you checked yourself today? <laughs> Literally. And every day, for goodness sake. That's true because it is a practice. Yeah, um, it is. It is it's, it's not just the meditation. It's not just the journaling. It's the actual work of making sure that your values and actions are in alignment. And those of your organization. And that's why I'm not some woo-woo. Love and not, like love the woo-woo. I'm real. I can meditate and also kick your butt at the same damn time. You know what I mean? I can yeah. sit and meditate with your whole team and then tell you that there is shaming behavior that needs to stop immediately. I can hold you accountable and hold myself accountable. None of this is mutually exclusive. It all happens at the same time. I'm uh, certainly picked up on your ability to kick our butts in your tone just now. No, no doubt. <laughs> You're welcome. Some people need that. Some people need that. Yeah, I'm tough. Yeah. But I'm also, you know what? Like I've always said, I'm I'm fair. You know, I get mm -hmm. told, I think there's like, you know, I, I like when people ask me like, what is something that people get wrong about you? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been told I'm really intimidating. And I don't love it. I don't love it because I'm so open to having conversations hmm. and I'm not responsible for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so if you're too nervous to have a conversation with me, that's not my responsibility. Yeah. I'm an open book. I want you to step up and stand in your power and your worth and come to me and have the courage to have a conversation. So my, my door is always open for conversations. Yeah. Even if it's ignorant, like I'm down to like workshop, believe me, I'm oh, down to work. That's good. That's good to know because yeah. some people aren't. Um, yeah. Some people who've been on the show or on the podcast are like, let's mm. not yeah. invite yeah. the ignorant to talk to me. I have the capacity. Yeah. I'm incredibly privileged. I am pretty much the top of the food chain. Hey. So I have the, I have the capacity. I'm not carrying a lot. I'm, I, I believe that I, I feel like a bit of an empty vessel and mm. I'm really, and I take that incredibly seriously. And once again, that also pairs with the responsibility that I have. I can carry because I don't, I don't hold on to it. I believe emotions are just energy in motion. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up is they hold on. Yeah. Some people, if we talk about race, they don't have the option of letting it go because it's part of the DNA. That's part of generational trauma. And I believe I don't have, I have less, I have mm -hmm. less of my ancestors that I'm carrying within my soul. And so therefore I have more space and more capacity to take on and to be the vessel for, yeah, for potential ignorance for conversations. Um, because I, like I said, I'm, I feel so responsible to in creating systemic change for yeah. sure. I am so happy 
that we got to have this conversation today. Me too. Yes. One more time, if people want to support you or an organization or get in contact with you um, for a fantastic conversation of their very own, Mm. how should they reach out? Cool. So it depends in which capacity. So I'm always, I love having um, conversations. So podcasters, welcome to just hit me up on my Instagram. If you run a dance studio and you are interested in creating more inclusion, I know we didn't talk too much about the disability side of things. That's Mm -hmm. another conversation. Um, But if your studio is interested, even if it's a fitness studio, even if it's a workplace and you're wanting to create more accessibility and inclusion um, and not just a conversation, but genuine, (laughs) uh, Instagram is a great place to to hit me up. if you are a business owner who is overanalyzing decisions they're making, they're not sure about if they trust themselves. Once again, if we go back to the beginning of this conversation, it shouldn't be a question. There should be no doubt. So if there's a little bit of like, oh, I don't know, I'm open for coaching. I take one-on-one clients. Mm. Um, we work for a four-month period with um, obviously options of extending. I also have options where I work with the leader and then I work with the team. And so I can facilitate um, sessions with whole groups of people um, or one-on-one coaching as well. Um, and honestly, I'm just, once again, my one of my values is connection. So I'm down to just connect and have conversations. Um, so Instagram is absolutely the best place to get in touch. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ali. Woo! I know I'm going to listen to this one again because there's, um, I can, I can tell I'm going to take it to my own meditation practice and like really think about it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful. I'm so glad we connected. Likewise. This is not the end. This oh, is not, not at the- all. <laughs> not at all. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining in the conversation today. If you would like exclusive access to live streams of these conversations, if you want to hear what goes on during the coffee breaks, or if you'd like to join a community of people who help to make this podcast possible, then please join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee. Bottomless Coffee Podcast is produced by me, Jerome Evans, on social media everywhere as at Jerome T. Evans. Our Patreon producers are listed in the episode description. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram at at Bottomless Coffee Podcast. Our music is by Noir et Blanc V and God Mode. Thanks all, and I'll see you next time.